I, uh, I want to dive in this morning, continue this series. Last week we kicked it off. We're talking about habits. And in week one, we talked about our thoughts and how they shape us. And I, I also used this word restoration last week. I really feel if you missed out, I, I, I use the word restore because I feel like it's a word that's going to speak to us over and over throughout this year. And I, I just feel like God is saying, I want to restore. I want to restore people's lives. I want to restore marriages and homes and families. And, and maybe you feel like out on your luck that, that God could never do a miracle in your life. I just want to speak that into you, that God is a restorer. He takes what is broken. He, he takes what is messed up, and he has a way of making it beautiful again. And I, I'm just going to declare that all year long, that God is going to restore lives, restore families, restore hope, restore dreams in Jesus' name. And today I want to take it a, a step further. And then we said this, talking about ha habits, is that habits are small discipline in our life that produce big results. Habits are small disciplines in our life that produce big results. You think about our habits, there's areas of our life, there's habits that we do that, that are producing good in our life. But oftentimes when I think about the word habits, I think about the things in my life that I want to get rid of. They were the areas of my life, the destructive habits, and, and maybe those are areas in your life that you know are there that you need to just surrender to God. And I want to continue talking about this idea. Last week we talked about our thoughts, and, and I love this quote. I want to share it again. It says this, so powerful. It says, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Your habits, they become character. And watch your character for it becomes your destiny. Just think about how powerful that is. Is that our destiny, the future, the place that God is taking us to, is directly connected to the thoughts, the small thoughts that we think. But those thoughts become words and words become actions. Next week I want to talk about actions, the habits in our life, the things that we need to change. But today I want to just dial in and talk this morning about our words. Talk about our words. And, you know, as I'm thinking about this and preparing the message, it reminded me of a story. It was, it was about a woman who arrived at the gates of heaven. Is there if I tell a cheesy church joke to get, to get going this morning? I mean, we, it's been a while since I've done a cheesy church joke, man. We're, okay, three of you. For the three of you, here you go. About, about a woman who arrived at the gates of heaven. While she was waiting for St. Peter to greet her, she peeked through the gates she saw a beautiful banquet table sitting all around where her parents and loved ones. They saw her and began calling greetings. Hello, how are you? We've been waiting for you. It's so good to see you. When St. Peter came by, the woman said to him, this is such a wonderful place. How do I get in? You have to spell a word, St. Peter told her. Which word, the woman asked. Love. The woman correctly spelled love, and St. Peter welcomed her into heaven. About a year later, St. Peter came to the woman and asked her to watch the gates of heaven for him that day. While the woman was guarding the gates, her husband arrived. I'm surprised to see you, the woman said. How have you been? Oh, I've been doing pretty well since you died, her husband told her. I married a beautiful young lady, and then I won the lottery. I sold the little house you and I lived in and bought a huge mansion, and my wife and I have traveled all around the world. We were on vacation in Cancun, and, and I went water skiing earlier today. I fell and hit my head, and well, here I am. What a bummer. So how do I get in? 
you have to spell a word, the woman told him. Which word, her husband asked. Czechoslovakia. <laughs> that brother ain't getting in, is he? <laughs> Words are so small, but they're so powerful. I just want to do a little word inventory this morning. Because we speak thousands of them every day. We text them. Hundreds of them every day. We post about them on social media every day. We use words and they can bring life or they can bring death. Think about the words that you say. I just want us to kind of do some introspection this morning and think about our life and the things that we let out of our mouth. Are they moving us? Are they pushing us towards God's purpose and destiny? Or do they bring us down? Are they filled with negativity and discouragement? Hopeless. Man, I believe the words of our life shape and move us towards God, God's plan. I want to just dial into James chapter 3. It's, it's called the Proverbs of the New Testament. Jesus' brother, he writes five simple chapters. If you're new to the Bible, it's one of the greatest places to start. It's so practical. I mean, James just gives his own illustrations. And, and I love the book of James. James chapter 3, it says this. It says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. He says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Notice what he's saying. It's so powerful. He talks about how a rudder is so small, yet it can... It can move a, a giant ship in one way or another. And, and a tiny spark can set a whole forest on fire. Sometimes we don't really think about it, but, but our tongue is a small thing that impacts our life in a huge way. It's small, it feels insignificant, but it's big. It made me think about during the holidays. There was, there was a morning, we had one of those weeks during the holidays where it felt like, man, between gifts that we were trying to wrap and, and food being made and all kinds of stuff going on, man. Our, our house just looked like a bomb went off. I, I mean, it really did. It, it, it was bad. And I woke up one morning, I thought, I need to help wrap some of the gifts. And that's where I went wrong, everybody. I, I, I shouldn't have done that, but, but I did. Jen left with the boys for school. I thought, I'll get a few things done. And I, I need you to kind of see this scene because this is, this, this is bad how this all unfolded. Um, at the dining room table, but our dining room table is against the wall. And on the back side of the table against that wall, Jen just had this immaculate display. There's these little trees. There's pictures. Uh, I mean, all kinds of stuff. It's so, I mean, just perfect Christmassy. There's these little ornaments, these balls, and I mean, it was it, just, just awesome. Lights, everything. While I'm on the front part of this table, I'm, I'm wrapping gifts, and at one point I went and grabbed a bag, and I needed tissue paper, so I went into a closet, grabbed tissue paper that probably hadn't been pulled out in a year. And as I'm going to, to stuff some of this tissue paper, I reached down to grab it, and when I pulled the first sheet out, everybody... It, was, it wasn't big at all, but it was, it, it was small, but it was a big thing. It was a cockroach came flying out of that tissue paper. Oh, yeah. And it went right to the middle of the table. It was an eyesight. I had it. I reached down to get my shoe. And when I went down with the shoe, I just wasn't fast enough. I hit the, I hit the table, and I saw the roach just scurry. And when it did, it went right into the decorations. Well, what do you do? 
you can't leave that roach in the middle of those decorations. There's little stuff everywhere and there's no way I can get a shoe in there. So what do I do? I pull every one of those decorations off the table. That's right. I mean, there's stuff breaking on the floor. There's stuff all over the place. I never did find that cockroach. No. And I remember just the, how, how awful I felt as I watched Jen walk in the house 20 minutes later. I was like a kid that had been in the pantry and wasn't supposed to be there. Like, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what I did. I was just all over the place. Listen, that little live roach is a small thing that makes a big difference in my life. Listen, I don't go to sleep with live roaches in the house. It's a small thing, but it makes a big difference. Let me tell you, your tongue and my tongue is the same way. It's a small thing that can bring healing or it can bring hurt. It can bring help or it can bring destruction in somebody's life. If you're taking notes, number one is this. Our words, our words are containers of power. They're powerful. Our words are containers of power. Let's do inventory. Are our words this morning, are they life-taking or are they life-giving? One would be, if you're, if you're just putting it on a scale, one would be life-taking or 10 would be life-giving. What, what are your words like? Do they speak life? Do they bring encouragement? Do they bring healing to the person around you? You know, often when you see a healthy marriage, you see a healthy family, a healthy work environment, you'll find healthy words. But connected to pain and frustration and hurt and disappointment and backstabbing and all those things that produce frustration and stress in our life, oftentimes there's life-taking words. Because when I'm empty and when I'm broken, you know what I love? I love for other people to feel the pain I'm in. And I find this, when I'm messed up, I can give off some of the most discouraging words. I can let people get a little bit of my pain. It comes through my mouth. My words are containers of power. Here's what Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, he wrote this in Proverbs. He said this, the tongue has the power of life and death. It's the same thing, but it produces two different things. As I thought about this, I was like, man, how can I illustrate it? And I thought about that game. Maybe you've never heard of it. Maybe you've played it before. It's called Bean Boozled. Anybody ever played a little Bean Boozle? Oh, man, let me tell you about Bean Boozle. Listen, if you are looking for a way to have fun and terrorize your kids all at the same time, go get you a little Bean Boozle. Here's the great thing. Jelly Belly created this game, and I I love it. Well, I don't love playing it, but I love watching other people play it. They've, They've got two sets of jelly beans that have the same exact color. Their outside is the same. Everything about the bean looks the same. But injected into the center of the bean are two completely opposite flavors. Just hang with me. If you get the white one, you could get coconut or you could get spoiled milk. Oh, yeah. If you get the orange, you could get strawberry banana smoothie or dead fish. Oh, just, just for the sake of having fun and enjoying this moment. If you get yellow, you could get buttered popcorn or rotten egg. You could get peach or you could get barf. Oh, man. Listen, this is, this is good. You could, get, you could get tutti frutti or you could get stinky socks, man. This is, and, my, and my favorite right here is the black ones. You could get chocolate pudding or you could get canned dog food. Oh, man. Listen. 
Play the game this afternoon. Put it on your Instagram. I just can't wait to see it. I'm going to enjoy it. It's the same on the outside. It's the same identical being, but produces two entirely different things. You, your and my tongue is being boozled, everybody. It's being boozled. Because one moment, it could speak health and strength into somebody's life. And in the next, it could speak out so much pain. In one moment, I can believe that God is with me, that he's for me. Like moments when we're in worship like this, man, nothing is too hard for God. On Tuesday afternoon, in the middle of my stress and pain, I could feel like, you know what, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to make it. I, God, you're not giving me the vision I need for my life. I'm not the husband I need to be. I'm never going to be the father I need to be. And the enemy speaks lies into my life because my tongue is so deceptive. It's like a container of power. Not only that, but our words set direction for our life. Our words set direction for our life. And if I want to change the direction of my life, I've got to change the words I speak. Hear me today. If I want to change the direction of my life, I've got to change the words I speak. Oftentimes, though, here's what I find in my own life. I'm unwilling to get to that place of faith and trust where I'm actually able to confess what I know to be true about God in my life. I'm fearful of what would actually happen if I confess that truth, if I, if I believe for that thing, if I trusted God for that promise in my life. Here's what I love. He sets a, uh, God sets a model for us. I started my, my yearly plan last week, and I was in Genesis, and it hit me like a ton of bricks as I read it. It's so powerful. Genesis chapter one, look what happens. The very first thing that happens in all of creation. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And look, and God said, the first action that God ever made was he spoke, was he spoke. Look what it, look what it says. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So what is the sequence that happens? It's this. God said it, and then he saw it. God said it, and then he saw it. He spoke a word, and the world showed up. But here's what I like to happen. I like to see it, and then I like to say it. I like for it all to work out and then go, yeah, man, I knew exactly what was going to happen. That's exactly the way I saw it going. Because oftentimes I'm not filled with enough faith to believe that God could really do it. And I have trouble speaking it. God sets an example for what faith looks like in our life is that sometimes in order to get to the promise, we got to speak the promise out in our life. We got to believe that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. I mean, he is able, and so if he is, let's speak it out in our life. God is healing me. God is restoring me. God is making my marriage new again. God is going to save my children. God is going to bring my children back to God. My children will serve God. They will love God. They will make a difference for his kingdom. Man, I, I'm the head and not the tail. My life may have been a mess, but I believe that God is restoring and he's making me new in Jesus' name. If you believe it, somebody say amen. 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 we got to speak out what we know to be true about God. I can say that I haven't always done this, but there's been moments in my life where I know I've heard a word from God, and I've either said it or I've texted it. 
because I knew I needed to get it out. One of those moments was December 2011. We had just got done leading worship, and I was sitting in a worship service, listening to my dad preach, and I felt in that moment like God was speaking to me about starting a church, and I knew I had to let it out. I didn't wait. In the middle of that message, I texted Jen that morning, and I said, I believe that God is calling us to plant a church. I really believe in that moment. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know how it was all going to work out, but I knew I had to say it. I knew I had to text it because in order to, to walk in the next steps, I had to get it out. And Jen freaked out, you know, and she's like, what are you talking about planting a church? I mean, we just had kids and we were happy. But I said it and I, I began to watch God operate in my life. Two years ago, I was in a staff meeting. We were, we were content. We were doing great at Turner Bartels. And I told our staff, I said, guys, I really feel like God might open a door for us to move to Wharton High School. I don't know why. I don't know when. But let's pray about it. A week later, that principal out of nowhere called us and said, our school just opened up. Are you interested in moving to Wharton High School? Listen, I don't have a, a special connection with God. We all have that connection. And I can tell you this. For those times that I have stepped in faith, there have been just as many times or more when I haven't. But I've been so convicted as I prepare for this message that 2020 is going to be a year that I'm not going to sit back and settle, that I'm going to walk in faith in my life, that I'm going to believe that he is able. And I'm not just going to think about it, but I'm going to declare it in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. Let's believe it because our words set direction for our life. I love, years ago, one, one guy, he said this. He says, if if you want to gauge the life-giving or life-taking nature of your words, he said, add this expression to everything you say. He said this, and add this expression, and that's the way I want it to be. And that's the way I want it to be. So, for example, man, I'm, I'm so frustrated with my job right now, and that's the way I want it to be. My wife, let me say, my spouse is driving me crazy. And that's the way I want it to be. I don't know if my kids are ever going to make it through sixth grade. That's not the way I want it to be. I believe God is healing my marriage. And that's the way I want it to be. I believe God is renewing my mind. And this is going to be a year of freedom. And that's the way I want it to be. I want to get out of debt. And I want to be financially free in Jesus' name. And that's the way I want it to be. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we have the choice every single day to speak out words that move us towards God's destiny. Or we can live in the pain of what we're walking in and going through. Let me give you three ways this morning. Three words that would challenge us to guard and watch our words. Number one is this. We've got to pause. Pause. James 1.19 says this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He says this, pause. Think about it. You know, in the Psalms, there's, there's that word, selah. Have you read the Bible and wonder? What, who that woman was, Selah, you know. Listen, that word simply means stop and think about it. Selah, think about it. Before you say it, think about it. 
before you email them. You know, I've got this private email of all the emails I wanted to send somebody that I just sent to myself, and I just feel better because I sent it to myself. You, you just think about it for a second. Before you let the word out, it's like a dagger, and it could bring healing or bring hurt. But pause. Think about it. Paul says this in Philippians 4 He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Love the five questions. The acronym for think is simply this. Before I say it, let me ask, is it true? Is it helpful? Does it inspire? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Think about it. Before I say it, think about it. Pause. And number two, protect. Protect. David writes this in Psalm chapter 141. He says, set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. I got I to guard every single word. Every single word I say. Every word I type and put on Instagram. Every thought I think, I've got to guard it because there's thousands of them coming out every single day. And are they producing what I want in my life? Godliness, healing in my life. Are they producing pain? I've got to protect my, but here's the deal I was thinking about this week. Not only do I got to protect protect the words I say, I've got to guard the words I let in. Because so much destruction happens because of the words I let be spoken over my life. I was, I was driving this week with the boys, and they were just, just me and the boys. They are in the back seat, and Ben, he said, hey, Dad, is there any way we could listen to Toby Mac on, on, the, on Spotify? Yeah, man. That's their fa- Toby Mac is their favorite, and we love jamming out to Toby Mac. Uh, and so I pulled it up, and as I did, I realized, wow, he, had, he just released a new single. It showed up right at the top called 21 Years. Let me check this song out. And so I, I started playing it. I got about a third of the way through the song, and I realized that Toby Mac had just released a song that he had written about his son who just committed suicide. I'll tell you what, as I, I listened through the song, and I did everything I could to keep myself composed, but I was a place of just being a wreck. As I listened to Toby Mac process in a song the difficulty of not being able to hug his boy, and give him a phone call. And asking questions in the song, God, what, what was it like when you, when, when you saw Jesus for the first time and when he hugged your neck? Well, what's it like to experience eternity? And for a moment as I looked in the rearview mirror and saw my two boys back there, I just imagined the pain that he's going through. And then I thought, what on earth Toby Mac's son, I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. I know he was pursuing a career in music, but I thought, man, what did he let get in his spirit that he thought the best thing for his life was was just to end it? Was there a word that he let get spoken over him? Did somebody say something about him that made him feel like he was unworthy, that he'd never be good enough, that maybe he would never add up and measure to what his dad had become? 
That song ended. I started talking to my boys. I said, guys, I want you to know over the course of your life, there are going to be a lot of people speaking to you and tell you things about who you are and who you can't be and what you can't do. I'm telling you, you need to listen to one voice, the voice of God, who says you are chosen, you are called, and you are going to do great things for the kingdom of God. I really believe it. And I got done talking to him, and Caden, he piped up. He said, Dad, is that your sermon on Sunday? I said, no, that's my sermon right now, buddy, right here in the car. But it might work out really good on Sunday, too. Listen, I got to be careful about the words I let in. I got to be careful because every time I, I open up my social media accounts, I'm letting words in. I'm letting voices in. I'm letting people's opinions in. I got to decide. I got to let my life be dictated by the will of God and the plan of God for my life. And I believe this over my 2020, that God's best is ahead. I believe it over your 2020. God's best is ahead in Jesus' name. Let's protect and guard our words. Can somebody say amen? amen. And number three, let's, let's wrap it up and get out of here. Let's praise. Let's pause. Let's protect and let's praise. Here, here's the deal about praise. It's so powerful. Praise is the key that gets you into somebody else's world. Praise is the key that unlocks somebody else's heart. It's amazing. David even writes about this. He says, when I, when I go to God, I enter his gates with thanksgiving. And I enter his courts with praise. Because praise unlocks something in the spiritual. It does the same thing in our relationships in the spiritual. When I begin to speak blessing over people's life and encouragement, man, I'm telling you, I've been so convicted over this message as I prepared this week. I thought, man, this is a God word for our church. And it's a God word for me. Because if I will live this year speaking blessing over people and over my wife and over my kids and over our church, I believe he wants to do it. He's just waiting for me to say it. He's just waiting for us to say it. Let's speak praise. Paul says this in Ephesians 4. He says this, don't use harmful words, but only helpful words. The kind that build up, provide what is needed. So that what you say will do good to those who hear you. Psalm 19, David says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. My challenge for you today, I left it in the note sheet. Maybe you'd take it with you. So maybe God will give you a word for this year. Maybe he already has. And that's, that's, a, big, that's a big span of time. Maybe God will give you a word for this month or this week. What do I need to focus in and dial, dial in on? And then, and then go as, as you begin to hear from God on what he wants to say to you, and then find a verse that just connects with, with God's word for you. My, my word for this year is consistency. I, I've been convicted in my own life about riding some highs and lows and, and being, being too high and honestly getting too low sometimes, letting discouragement get the best of me. God's saying, Wes, you need to be consistent this year. He reminded me of a verse that I learned as a teenager, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I'm going to challenge you. Find a word. Find a word. And then walk and live that out this, this year. 
I believe this. God wants to change the way we speak, and if we do, he'll change our destiny. Why don't you just bow your heads as we pray this morning?